And now for your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, covering the week of media, marketing, and digital content news. This old marketing. Take it away, boys. Hello, my friends. This is Robert Rose. Welcome to episode number 271 of This Old Marketing, recorded on Thursday, May 13th, 2021. And with me, as always, my good friend, my colleague, and a guy who's, well, disappointed he can't buy a Tesla with Bitcoin, Mr. Joe Polizzi. How are you? I cannot stand him. I'm so done with the Elon thing. Really? I thought he was kind of, I thought he was pretty good on... I didn't see any of that. but oh, you didn't. Uh, but I don't. Well, I don't get what he's doing with the whole Bitcoin thing. First of all, there's been no new information to come out about the environmental concerns around Bitcoin, which in a lot of cases are unfounded, in my opinion. But go ahead, he can go ahead and say, "Oh, okay. Well, we bought 1.5 billion dollars worth of it, and now we're going to let everyone buy a Tesla with it." But no, 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 no. I'm going to two weeks later, even though nothing has changed, we're going to back yeah. out of that stance. Yeah. And and here's the thing. They're not getting rid of See, if you are going to penalize the miners for their non-sustainable efforts in using, you know, coal or energy, you should sell your bitcoin. But That's no. Right. He keeps the bitcoin and just says, "No, you just can't use it to pay for a Tesla," which by the way, making a Tesla, you could say what you want about Tesla and the environmental, you know, aptitude or whatever it is the great things about tesla and and the the grid but it is a lot of coal burning old oil (laughs) energy that goes into making that's a really excellent point yeah that's an excellent point that i hadn't considered i think the you know somebody in pr and marketing got to him Mm -hmm. and 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 basically made this decision I, i i would bet you he had zero to do with this decision you know it's interesting i don't I honestly don't know what to do because I like the fact that, of course, crypto is regulated, but it's not regulated like stocks are regulated. And I don't like the fact that he can go and tweet. Maybe this is this is the whole thing we have to get used to if you're looking at decentralized money. He can go ahead and tweet and say, Doge is, Dogecoin is the best and Bitcoin is awesome. And then two days later, dump it. Right. Uh, and I don't, or I don't, say yeah. Dogecoin is a hustle. Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> right. So, so I just, I just don't like what he's doing and I, I don't think it helps people. That's my biggest frustration going back and forth. Yeah. I mean, we talked about this last week, right? With my, you know, get off my yard little rant about Gary Vee and, and a lot of that stuff. I, I think in, in the opposite way, I think that's also unhelpful, right? Is the sort of manipulation of the technology as jargon to create false, uh, you know, false value. And I think, I think, I think both are, you know, annoying, right? You know, and, and it just shows, you know, I was just having this conversation with someone the other day where, you know, the, the, the strength of, you know, a decentralized currency like Bitcoin or Dogecoin or, you know, Ethereum or something like that. I mean, Ethereum is a little different because, it's driving a lot of technology. Yeah, it's true application. But, but, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But let's just look at the cryptocurrencies for a second is, is that it is decentralized and that there's a lot of power there. There's a power in sort of, you know, t- a million tiny little voices, right, you know, that are all tracking the ledger. 
And the weakness of a course, the, the fragility is of it, of course, is when any grouping of those million little voices come together and start manipulating things. And, you know, as I mean, there's rumors about, you know, Musk being the, the biggest, you know, there's there's apparently some big whale that's in Dogecoin that owns I, I'm forgetting the exact percentage, but it's a high percentage. It's like 30% or something like that of the entire uh, inventory, as it were, of Dogecoin. And, and a lot of people speculate that it's him. Um, and, uh, um, you know, when, when, you can, when you can affect a, a currency value by, by going on a, a skit show and calling it a hustle, something's wrong. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's something, something is really, really wrong. Yeah, I, I agree. We're just, let's just, let's just not give Elon any more publicity <laughs> yeah. than, than he there already gets. Go. My question to you is, and yeah. I want to talk NFL in a second, but I also want to check, did you check out Gary V's launch, V Friends, his NFT collection? I, yes, I did. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I take it you weren't enthralled. Well, yeah, yeah. Look, it's again, it's one of those things where, uh, you know, did I read correctly? I didn't read the entire article. I, I will be honest there, but I saw an article that said as part of the launch, he, he launched one of the cards or a piece of artwork and sold it for 600 grand or something like that. Was, was that, that was part of it. Right? I don't know about, I know that First of all, every one of the NFT uh, admission packets to VCon, which is the super three-year <laughs> super event, you get a piece of artwork with it because you are a thing. Like if you're whatever goat or whatever giraffe, or because these are original drawings from Gary, and yes. then you it it's there's a piece of artwork that goes with with each thing. So you get the goat, you get access to the the event, and then you get every two months you get something in the mail from him. Um, so that's part of that. So everyone has its own little content experience. I think one, you go to a Knicks game and sit center court. You got one that you go garage sailing with Gary. Like there's some really strange things in there. Yeah. Uh, and then I think there was just separately a group of, and I'm honestly, I'm looking more at the super conference and the NFTs associated with that for obvious reasons. But I believe there's also, you know, one of one, one of five pieces of art that he has sold yeah I, and i think that's uh, uh you know as we were as you were talking i was looking for it and can't find the article uh, as we speak but but i saw something to the effect that he he did that so yes so and and again i guess it comes back to c congratulations uh for you know uh, for doing that i you know i I can't fault the guy, right? No, I mean, it's a no. business. It's, it's, you know, it's it's perfectly legal. Uh, at this point, it's perfectly ethical. It's, you know, it's, it, you know, as Musk said, it's a hustle. Uh, but, you know, he's kind of known for the hustle. So I I can't, I can't complain. I don't have a, I don't have an issue with anything that he's done. I like the idea of event passes that are set to NFTs with unlockable content, unlockable opportunities. Again, you talked about this last week. Not necessarily a new thing, but just the, the technology usage is new. I like the fact that I could buy one of these access passes and I could sell it peer-to-peer -to, -peer to somebody else next year if I don't want to go to the second-year event. And I could theoretically make money off of my conference ticket peer-to-peer -peer, uh, without using a, another exchange for that. So that is intriguing to me. I 
What would be intriguing is if he set it up in a way that he makes money. That's where it would be unique. Well, he does make money. No, no, no. I mean, he makes money on the resale. In other words, because that is, I, you know, as we've talked about on this show before, that's where I think it's really an interesting technology play where this in this ticket sale, if you buy a ticket and you're, you know, you're, you're banking on it, uh, you're going to scalp that ticket, which is the sort of real word for it. Yeah, here. sure. And you're gonna, and you're gonna. Hopefully, you know, it's going to rise in value. And a week before, where there's no tickets left, you end up selling it for twice its, you know, what you paid sure. for it. It would be really interesting if he then gets a piece. of He that. does. He absolutely does. He gets a piece of that resale. He gets a piece of that resale. I think it's ten percent. You know this for a fact. Really, I'm 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 ninety nine percent positive. If you listen to right. well, that's. You know that's that's interesting. Yes, I that's, mean by that's the way, that's and we've thing. talked about this. That's why I think yeah. in two to three years, all NFL tickets will be NFTs because they want a piece I of the resale. I don't disagree with that one. Well, bit. so he's I going. You know, disagree. he's the first one to do this as an event, and he. On, so if you if you get a chance, and I some of this is going to hurt your ears, honestly, Robert. But if you get a chance, <laughs> listen to Kevin Rose's Modern Finance podcast. He interviewed Gary Vaynerchuk, and he went through the whole thing. And he was honest. Gary was honest. He says, look, I'm taking a big risk with this. Some of this doesn't feel right. Some no, of it feels right. Not, but not he did say, risk, I yes. think this is my ticket to buy the Jets. He said it. He's been trying to buy the Jets for a long time. He feels this could be it. And by the way, if he's selling pieces of art for 600000 I don't know what it is. But he's selling pieces of art. He's He, he might get there. He might get yeah, there. Yeah, he might. He might. So He might. Well, good for yeah. him. Good. Good for him. Uh, yeah, good for him. So anyways, anybody interested, listen to the Kevin Rose podcast. You get it straight from Gary. And I got to say, I'm not a huge... I love what Gary's trying to do, and I think you and I both commend him for that. I'm not a huge fan of his art. <laughs> I'm just going to leave it at that. I'm just not. Yeah. It just doesn't... But it doesn't matter. Doesn't It doesn't matter. matter. It absolutely not buying doesn't, the art. doesn't matter. No, before we go to the news... What do you think about your Cowboys schedule? Uh, I think it's going to be tough. I think it's a. I think it's a hard, tough schedule. I mean, it's you know, I mean, if you the funny thing is, is if you had asked me that question, if that schedule had been the schedule for last year, I would be like, ah, it's pretty easy. But a lot of those teams turned out to be really good, um, you know, and I think are going to be good again this year. So. I, you know, I, look, I'm an eternal optimist, but I, I I'm, I, it's going to be, it's, it's a tough schedule, you know, opening up at the Super Bowl champs. I mean, that's, I mean, we are the NFL opener this year. Um, and then, you know, you got the Patriots and you got, that's our extra game is the Patriots. Um, and then you got, uh, you know, who might be a, you know, a, a super team by the time the actual, um, season opens and, you know, you got the chiefs and the saints. And I mean, you know, it's just, it's just like a who's who of, of who finished in the top 10 last year. So I think they, I, I think the NFL hates both our teams because you just said what you got. And then we open up with Kansas city. I mean, come yeah. on. Yeah, but you guys are good. But that's, that's the last the team we just lost to. I mean, <sighs> yeah, you shouldn't have lost that game. Though. I know, especially with Mahomes out of the game. Yeah, I talked. I was on a, a podcast with John Jance the other day. John's from Kansas City, and he was saying, "Yeah, you guys had a chance." I said, "I know we did. Just didn't, <laughs> just didn't quite. I think have the the winning drive or the experience to to take it over. But I think they've, 
I think they fixed that. I I think they're ready to go. I think this is yeah. They've got all the they've got all the pieces. There's no excuses. They've got all the pieces. There's no and excuses. all the other teams in your division are at a you know with the exception of maybe the Ravens. You know I think the time is now. Right. And you know what I I I've heard people say that, but if you look at Baltimore is is a playoff team. Uh, of course, Cincinnati I mean. is on. Are, yeah, yeah, Cincinnati's on the move, and then Pittsburgh. Well, you, Cincinnati's not on any move. Cincinnati, Cincinnati's. I like. I like uh, the quarterback. I like the quarterback from from Ohio. Oh, he's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Joe Burrow's. Yeah, he's, he's awesome. I love him. I love him. I think he's. Yeah. If he stays healthy, they're going to. You know, they'll be a seven and nine, eight and eight team. And I, that's exactly, yeah, I, which point. is that's a yeah. big improvement. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah. and then Pittsburgh, you don't know what you get. You could get eleven and five or five and eleven with with Big Ben <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, whatever. Anyways, yeah. Should we? We should. Yeah. Let's do it. Absolutely, we sure. should. Uh, there was a lot of news, a lot of launches this last week. Um, I, I guess it's maybe that time of year, sort of spring, early summer, and lots of new launches. Um, we are going to open uh, our news coverage with uh, something of with, of course. <laughs> It seems like we talk about every week Clubhouse, um, but here it is: Clubhouse launches and comes to Android uh, after more than a year of iOS exclusivity. Uh, this uh, story, courtesy of The Verge, um, and it's available in the U.S. for all of our global uh, listeners here, and will apparently roll out to other companies or excuse me, countries soon. And by the way, we should say that it's not available to everybody. Um, only those with 600 or more followers? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There you go. Did you get your <laughs> Twitter exactly spaces right. yet, by the way? Uh, let me, ch- uh, I, you know what, when you, when you comment, I'll check. Okay. Uh, the, uh, the story <laughs> opens up after a more of, than a year of iOS exclusivity, social audio platform Clubhouse is releasing its Android app. It will be available on beta uh, in Google's mobile OS today in the U.S., allowing users to sign up and participate in its audio-only chat rooms. Uh, it is invite-only, by the way, folks, so it's still, even on Android, it's only invite-only, so that that lead is a little, you know, it's a little wrong. Anyway. Our plan over the next few weeks, says Clubhouse, is to collect feedback from the community, fix any issues we see, and work to add a few final features like payments and club creation before rolling it out more broadly, the company said in a blog post. The Android app, which the company says has been the top request from its community by far, will roll out to other English-speaking markets and the rest of the world in the days and weeks ahead. Users outside the U.S. will be able to pre-register for access via the Clubhouse page in the Google Play Store, and others will be notified when the Android app is available in their area. And it goes on to then talk a little bit more and basically fulfill its whatever thousand words that it needed to actually <laughs> serve all the ads that it's trying to serve on this particular website. It doesn't say a whole lot that's more so than that, funny. but there's a lot more and that's words. that's so true. <laughs> That yeah. is so true. When you have the the ads in the middle of the articles, they say, "Oh, you, you, it's six hundred and fifty nine yeah, like words. You got to have seven oh five. Well, they I mean they have so many ads they've got to serve I on this know. page. I mean, it's goodness gracious. Anyway, what say you, Mister Polizzi, about uh, Clubhouse coming to Android? I know we're going to pair this story, by the way, with one from the Atlantic uh, that says um, that uh, Clubhouse has a blocking problem yeah, and maybe the, you can speak a little to I, that as I, well yeah we can talk a little bit about that first of all clubhouse uh i i don't know if you've been aware because i haven't seen you at my clubhouse <laughs> book tour or does that shock my you? content book tour uh, i've had four 
clubhouse rooms, uh, we've had, and I guess I would say three solidly good ones and one not so good from an audience standpoint. Um, three of them we got between 100 and 200 people. The the fourth one, not not so good. And what I do love about, and I've to- told you this, I love the, the UI. I love the interaction. And we're even recording these as, you know, they're going to be podcasts on the Continent Podcast. But at the same time, we get a little bit of feedback. I think from doing this exercise, I think the future of this is in small groups of people that want to have a private group that you don't want to have 10,000 people there. I, I think it's really going to um, niche communities that make sense. And the, the problem with that model is it doesn't justify a $4 billion valuation, but I think it can be very useful. So that's kind of my take. I've been using it heavily over the last couple of weeks. I think that's where it's going to talk about the, is it just, a, is that, is that just an easier to use audio a version of zoom though that's how i'm getting to see it yeah yes i, th- I think you're right by the way i, 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 I really enjoy that but so well, let me i'll tell you so we had wally koval uh you know you know wally we both I do, are good friends with wally wally started accidentally wes anderson he was uh he was our guest on a q a so he's talking about how he built awa and leveraged instagram to do it fantastic interview with him and we had uh, you know, a total of 190 people in that room. I think we peaked like 70, 20, everyone stayed for about 20 minutes or something like that. So we get all the stats with it. It's great. But we had some really good questions, some really interesting people were talking and, and, and so we were able to record it. So you can, I told everybody we were recording it. Uh, and so you, you don't just do the one-on-one podcast. You actually get some feedback from people in the community and fans and, and I enjoyed that part, so I think that I would do that over a Zoom call. Then, of course, you don't have to put pants on even. So, I mean, you can actually <laughs> – it's just audio only. Now, that said, I've had the the other experience with one of our other ones with NLW. NLW is, a, is one of the top crypto podcasters. And we right. had a couple strange people that at, wanted to ask questions and didn't ask – they were – promoting something or they were just spamming and that that sort of gets into our second article that I sent you which is clubhouse is having a real problem moderating trolls I- identifying right. and controlling trolls and what they did and I didn't know this until I saw this article yesterday instead of like the, like the blue check good check you get for Twitter I guess you get a black badge if somebody reports you on clubhouse and what happens is it's not like on Twitter, and I'm and I'm kind of paraphrasing through the article a little bit, but it's not like on Twitter when if if you block somebody, they just you you won't see them anymore. They can't comment, they can't DM you, they you can't you'll never see any of their tweets, anything like that. If you block somebody on Clubhouse, they can't even get into a session that you're moderating. Like you can't even get into the room. I think no. I think it's uh, you can a moderator can block them, um, but I think the way it works is uh, the at least the way I read the article is if you block somebody on Clubhouse, you're right. It doesn't just affect the communications between you and the blocked person, like on Facebook or Twitter, but it basically says if you bring that person up on stage with you to that can speak they will not be able to be on stage either. 
in other words, you can't if they've blocked that person, you can't bring them up on stage. They can't. Block. No, no. Well, listen to this. So I'm I'm reading from there. This is from the Atlantic. I'm reading this article. It says once blocked, they can't join or even see any room that you you create or in which you are speaking, which effect, effectively blocks them from everyone else in that room. Well, that's I guess that's right. The, I'm reading a paragraph later when it says. Uh, it limits the way that a person can communicate. Once blocked, they can't join or even see any room that you create or which you're speaking, which you read, yep. which effectively blocks them. But if you've brought on stage from the audience to speak, anyone else in the audience whom you've blocked will be kept off the stage for as long as you're up there. So I guess you're right. I mean, so they if they've been blocked by someone who's on stage, they can't see the room. That's right. And they get the black mark of shame. And there's even some some testimony here in the Atlantic about people. This one person says, now when I enter certain rooms, I'm viewed as an unresolved threat. So it's really strange if you have, if you're wearing the A around, yeah. you know, this is crazy. Yeah. What's going on here with this one? Now, my overall take is, I mean, we talk. And by the way, this is good. This is going to get abused. Yes, it I mean, already it is. hasn't already. It already yeah. is. So here's the thing that's, and, and this is a big problem for Clubhouse and they've got to figure something out. And I don't know if they have a solution. So they've got this thing with this black mark of shame. But then at the same time, I've been getting, you know, Mitch Joel was talking about this the other day. I've been seeing some things where people aren't doing live anymore in a lot of cases. They're actually, they've got it set up with their roadcaster where they're, they've got recordings. So if they want to put up, let's say, how to make money in 10 steps, and that's the session, they'll run it all day long. They'll they'll run it every hour. Oh my god! And like it's live. That's like nobody would know the difference, but they just keep running it and running it. Do you believe that? And I know that I, I know one guy that says he generated like six hundred leads because from that he's got like a you know go to this lead form and you can oh get more. God. And it's strange. I hadn't thought about Clubhouse automation. There you yes. go. I mean, there you go. I mean, we have you know you've got Hootsuite and some of the social publishing tools for automated publishing to the social media channels, and now you've got Clubhouse automation where you just continually launch and get a live. Uh, yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. The one thing that is nice is, and I have to look at what tool it is, but we got monthly access to another tool, and as long as you're set up as the moderator, you can um, you can record these things. We can see everyone that comes in and out of the room, how long they stay, what they did, if they spoke, everything, and their full names. So I know. Yeah. And you can link but, that up with your database if you want to and do and do horrible things with it if you wish to. <laughs> so it, it's very positive. Like, I, we want to know when we're going to use it for good, but I could see a lot of people not using it for good. Oh, it's like that, you know, I mean, I guess I should have seen this coming, but but it's not unlike... You know, so our 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 friend Tom Webster, who I adore, of course, yeah. um, from Edison of Research, course. he, uh, you know, in this friend group that we have, he sent out. He used to be a DJ in college, and 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 I knew this being a college DJ myself. You would get uh, records of shows. I mean, full on records, like you know, not you know, like a like a literally an LP. And when you ran a show. Uh, you would literally put the record on and it would play for, you know, whatever, 45 minutes or an hour. It's an hour long show. It's got some songs. It's got some banter in between. You just set it and forget it, right? 
this is that. <laughs> this what you're talking about is exactly that. It's basically I record a show and I just have a you know and you know you know software solution for this by the way in 5 4 yep. Three, exactly. you know, I mean, th- there will be a software solution that says, "Hey, upload your show, and we'll automatically create the room. We'll give you the dashboard analytics, and we'll uh, actually repeat the thing every hour on the hour for the next week, so that there's always a show going of your, and you just sit back and you know co- collect all those, collect all those, I guess followers. I don't, I don't know what the heck I, you would I don't collect. Know. But, yeah, I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, we've talked a lot about Clubhouse over the past few weeks. We should move on. But, yeah. it, I mean, I'm going to keep going. We've got seven more dates of the book tour. We'll learn some more. I'm actually thinking about doing one of them with Brian Clark. Um, he asked to do one on oh, Twitter. Brian's awesome. Well, he has to do one on Twitter Spaces instead. And I might actually want to do that just to test it out because I haven't done. I've been in Twitter Spaces because I have access and you don't. But I've- uh, I checked. I checked. I just checked. I do have oh, it. Oh, you as do of have today. it. I do have it as of Congratulations. today. Congratulations. I'm so happy. Yeah, for thank you. you. So you can I be th- on Twitter Spaces really with me too. Um, <laughs> yeah. Anyways, we were, I was going to test that out, but I, if it keeps going, I'll be honest with you because I've been the one on the clubhouse bandwagon that I think there's something there. If it continues the way it is, I could see using it for small meetings. Uh, we can set it up with our Discord server. Uh, well, you could use Discord for that. I'm sorry. We can set up with our uh, Tiltcoin users where you can have private meetings for people that have certain... We can do all kinds of things with it from that standpoint. I like it for that. I don't necessarily like it to go in, get a big audience, and do an event. I, I, I just... It just doesn't... I don't... It's at least for us. I, I don't think... Yeah. I don't think that... And that's not going to help them long term. Well, this guy... I mean, and, 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 and I promise this is the last bit on it. This was where I thought they should have gone all along. I thought they should have leaned into the whole exclusivity, uh, cool people, hang out, see some stars, high level, exclusive, red carpet sort of idea. That would have been a really interesting, you know, a social network that is truly private and truly about a talk show format, right? Where... It is, you know, it's, I mean, having a show on Clubhouse is a big deal, right? I mean, that's a, you know, and, and all of that is really interesting. So anyway, we'll see. Well, we will see. Long, long way to go. Obviously, social audio, quote, end quote, is a thing. You've got space. Yeah, you've got Twitter spaces. You've got Facebook doing something. We, We talked about LinkedIn doing something. We mentioned Discord. Discord has a great little program already set up. Um, so if you're on Discord, it's, it's great. Uh, who knows where it's going to go, but just, there's like 90 players or something. It, it happened, you know, 52, 52, Jeremiah Young, I think said 52 or 56. Yeah. Too many, too many. Yeah. Well, speaking of maybe too many, uh, so this next news item comes to us courtesy of the horse's mouth, as it were, from HubSpot itself. And uh, the announcement, a launch, another launch in the week of launches, it seems like, uh, the headline here is why HubSpot is launching a podcast network. Uh, HubSpot opens up their article by saying, we've built HubSpot on the belief that you can earn attention by being of value. 
what the belief is at the very heart of HubSpot's success, creating remarkable content is what makes a remarkable brand. We've spent the past decade investing in educational content to help all kinds of business builders be successful. Marketing, sales, customer support, customer success, product engineering, entrepreneurs are all helping to build and grow business. And we've provided free education through our blogs, YouTube, Academy, and podcasts to help. Then they go on to the announcements. Uh, it is why we're excited to announce the launch of the HubSpot Podcast Network, a new audio destination that is home to six great shows that represent a wide range of business topics and background. Together, this collection covers the scope and mastery every company needs to find success. Uh, so the inaugural members are uh, podcasts that you would have heard of, by the way, uh, Entrepreneurs on Fire, uh, which I know you are very fond John of. John Lee Dumas, yeah. Um, Yep. Uh, business Infrastructure, uh, Being Boss, The MarTech Podcast, The Salesman Podcast, and My First Which Million. is, of course, a hustle, the hustle podcast with Sam Parr. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. That's right. And so the article goes on to announce uh, why they believe that this is a, a, a new thing and what they want to do with it. And basically, as they are really looking to shine a light on the experts and the brands and the leaders, all this stuff, uh, what say you? What I mean, this seems like a kind of a no brainer, but, um, but, but what do you think about it? It's, it's, an, I have a little bit of insider knowledge about this because oh. I was, yeah, I know you'll only get it here. I'm not going to mention uh, the people that I talked to on it because I'm, you know, I guess just trying to report on these things. Yeah. I thought initially, this was a trade deal. <clears throat> I thought it was, look, you put our HubSpot, you put our name on it. We will help get you more audience type of thing. Win-win, right? We see them all the time where a media company will partner with an individual creator. Yeah. No problem, Basically, right? Basically, yeah. it's a, a Barney deal, a sponsorship, a, you know, a network sponsorship Yeah, deal these are done all the yeah. time. And usually not. Yep. sometimes there's a little bit of money. Um, sometimes there's not. Uh, in this case... HubSpot's laying down in in some cases, you know, a million plus dollars or more to each of these podcasts. This is a big deal, multi year, big deal. Uh, the uh, the podcasts get to keep uh, some, you know, one hundred percent control over it, but they're now in the podcast network, and they're basically buying a sponsorship. They're buying a sponsorship and giving some distribution. It sounds like a really sweet opportunity for the creators. Are they buying an exclusive sponsorship or are they buying the podcast? No, they're not buying the podcast as far as I can tell. As far okay. as I have heard from my sources, I have not heard that. I've heard that it is, you know, basically they're buying some inventory. They have uh, some rights around who can and who can't sponsor but it is a it is a sponsorship, and then of course, as you see the picture, if you go to the picture of the HubSpot Podcast Network, you'll see the little HubSpot logo on all the pictures now. So that's a new thing. Um, what do you think of it? Like, what do you think of them investing so much money in these? Really, the five podcasts because the sixth one, which is the hustle one, they already own. That's right. That's right. I think you know. When I first heard of it, before I read the article, I was a little more excited for it than uh, than I am now. Um, and what I mean by that is this seems to me to be a hedge of some kind. It's basically, like you said, it's it's 
it's basically a a a a big sponsorship deal, right? So they're they're just they're sort of wrapping and packaging a multi podcast sponsorship uh, media buy, uh, you know, in a way that uh, is sort of uniform against all of the different podcasts. Which, by the way, I think is a heck of a lot better than just oh, it's doing great. a sponsorship. It's, yeah, it's basically, you know, I mean, it's it's a classic network buy. Like a like any big upfront would happen in you know in in, in television or in the old days radio, um, and you would just you know you would you would require the same uh, what they call mandatories um, in all of your different you know all of your different sponsors uh, sponsorships, and you know it's the same thing. I thought what they were going to do was actually uh, create new shows and actually create a podcast network sort of a b2b marketing you know we've been talking about i don't know how for how long that we think linkedin should do this um but creating a podcast you know like a place to go for podcasts right for b2b podcast you know and and, you know i mean and we and we talked about this before when we when we talked about how horrible uh, iTunes or any of the podcatcher podcast networks are in presenting the hierarchy of business books or excuse me, big business podcasts. You know, it's, it's awful, right? I mean, you know, you've got, it's like marketing is under sales a lot of times and you know, it's just, it's, it's a, it's a really bad organization and categorization of, of, of podcasts in, in, in the B2B space. Mostly because it's a you know they're they're much more optimized for you know the NPRs and the Joe Rogans and those kinds of podcasts, and so somebody I and HubSpot would have been a cool uh, opportunity here could build an actual podcatcher right an, an actual podcast network that has access to a lot of podcasts that you could actually go use as an app or you know whatever and. That I th- that would have been much more exciting to me. Obviously, much more investment sure. intensive. Yeah. Um, but that was you know. So that was my first thing. I think it's fine. Yeah, I think I, it's. I, you I, know, I think it's fine. I, I think it's. I mean, we'll see. But I, I think this is a pretty good move for for HubSpot. The first thing that I thought was, well, why didn't they buy them? That's what I wanted to know. Is this a purchase yeah, deal? Right. But then I was thinking. If you look at some of the podcasts, these are lifestyle businesses. Creators' lifestyle businesses is what they do. They make a they make money on it. Um, they're they're not building out a full fledged media company. That there are they are podcasters, and by doing this, you don't have the issue. And this is what you get the issue you get into when you buy a media property. It lasts for you know a couple of years, whatever the earnout is, and then the creator can go and or needs to find a replacement, and they've got it. Well, in this case, you don't have to worry about that. HubSpot doesn't have to worry Fair about enough. that. They yep. keep them enough That's going. Right. They want to keep these creators going. They're going to feed them. It's fantastic. They don't have to worry about any transition issues. They can add podcasts at will, and they can fleece all the audiences. They have people buy HubSpot products and services, and it works out great for them. So, That's right. And I say that with right. the, I, in a positive way, not that they're stealing yeah, exactly. the audience necessarily, <laughs> right. but yeah, exactly. you know what I mean. I mean fleece in the most positive <laughs> sense of the word. Yeah. <laughs> I get, I get what you mean. I, I, I yeah, got, so I got so you. So congrats, congrats. I will say this. Yes. Yeah. Congrats. Definitely. Congratulations. I, I will say the other thing that confuses me a little bit is, is, you know, I, I've, I'm a little confused about the audience targeting here, about the persona that they're, you know, when I think of entrepreneurs on fire, being boss, 
you know, and uh, and and my first million, it feels like the it feels like old school HubSpot audience. It does not Doesn't feel it? like new school HubSpot. I audience. was surprised. Yeah. I really was yeah. because you you really think about HubSpot going after enterprises not and I don't mean enterprises like billion dollar but they're they're definitely no, no, but just not 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 your crowd right not no the, not, not individuals not entrepreneurs less than 10 employees yeah. they're really going exactly. after the 50 employees or higher market for That's sure right. they want That's more right. complex marketing challenges so that you exactly. use more of HubSpot suite of services so right. so it's interesting that that they're going, it really is interesting. Like, I didn't think about that, but yeah, you're right. That they're really going down to the, now Martech podcast is more traditional. Yeah, Martech is the outlier yeah. there. Martech is Business the Business infrastructure. Sure. Yes. Yep. Entrepreneurs on fire in my first million. Definitely. On, I mean, I'm assuming that HubSpot would have a much different sponsorship program with those companies than the technology ones or the infrastructure ones. So. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean. But look at think about this. Now look at this for a second. They really hit all the yeah. all the check marks. Entrepreneurs on fire, of course. Entrepreneurs, business infrastructure, maybe CIOs, don't know. Being boss, executive, Martech, marketing technology people, salesmen, sales. They've got their sales product. My yeah. first. Well, mil- they're big into sales. Yeah, I mean sure. they're really trying to hit. If you go through HubSpot suite of services, I think you just hit all five of them. Boom, 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 boom. So. Yeah, I, I, you know, it's a quibble. I, 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 it's a not a quibble. It's a question that I have, which is, you know, and they, I'm, I'm sure they have a. They're smart people, so I'm sure they've got a, a great answer for that. What do we know? We're just All two right. little chuckleheads, and no, we're, we're talking. Nobody yeah, we're, takes us yeah, seriously, we're, anyways. We're dopey. dopey. Dopey is the word for dopey. us. Dopey. Yeah. Okay, that's a good name. That should be the new, the dopey marketing hour. <laughs> doper and dopest. Okay. <laughs> let's go to the next. Will? Hello. Will, let's, Hello. let's do our Hello. YouTube shorts. People don't realize that when you and I, we first get on Skype and we start this thing, we just go, hello? 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 And then that goes on for basically 30 minutes. And then we're like, oh, hey, Pretty hey much. what's up? Hey, we should probably start this thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Moving on to our next, uh, our next story here, uh, courtesy of The Morning Brew. Uh, of course, the wonderful email newsletter. Um, and uh, But that's what we'll link to in the show notes anyway. The headline here, YouTube Shorts Set Up 100 Million Creators Fund. YouTube Trying to Lure Creators Away from Competitors Like TikTok. The article opens up by saying, to support its short-form video product, Shorts, YouTube is setting up a $100 million fund to lure creators away from other platforms such as TikTok, OK, mostly Oh, oh, I see. Yeah, God, boy. The new social media platform, okay. Yeah. It's, <laughs> or, it's, no, it's Ock. <laughs> it's, 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 All the hip kids are on Ock. Ock. Yeah. <laughs> there's TikTok and then there's Ock. <laughs> okay. It's I this blog is written very very conversational. Uh, to support a short form uh, short form video product, Shorts, YouTube is setting up a 100 million dollar fund to lure creators away from other platforms such as TikTok. Okay, mostly from you TikTok. Got it. Yes. There we go. Shorts in March YouTube followed up Instagram's Reels and Snapchat Spotlight <laughs> with its own social media Are you holding your nose platform. when you say that? I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Yes. Yeah. 
I could do it with my mid-Atlantic uh, 1930s guy to try and replicate TikTok's success. As of late April, Shorts was collecting 6.5 billion daily views. And so it, the article goes on to talk about how it's going to offer all these monthly payments to, to creators. It's an arms race for content. Um, this feels like, you know, 2015 called and wants their strategy back. But what do you think? We talked, I think my rant last week was, you know, we just covered it in the tilt that YouTube penalized short form video creators on YouTube without even telling them. Well, now you know why. Well, now you know why. Yes, they're going to this new strategy, which apparently the people that were communicating with the creators didn't tell them until just now. Get rid of the riffraff. Yeah, exactly. Uh, If you're a creator right now and you just got your short. So basically they're going after the people that they just crushed for the last month. And, and right. took away their revenue. And now they're saying, oh, no, 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 no. We're not taking away your revenue. We're creating this new creator fund just for you. So stop doing stuff on TikTok and Instagram Reels and come over. And, and it just, yes, I agree. Of course, everyone's going after creators. It's every week we talk about this thing. Is how serious is YouTube? Are they, have they lost the, the, the faith of the creators because they don't have a good communication strategy? with this thing or they just do things and test things without telling people i don't know well how long ago was it that they set up a whole fund to do original programming and they had you know and i remember covering this uh they had shaquille o'neal they had you know they 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 did this whole thing where they were going to create all this short form series and short form it was right around the time that they launched youtube premium or youtube okay um, and and they created this whole, you know, fund to spend money on original licensed content that they would that they would you know that they would put on the premium on the premium channel, and I, I mean I have to be honest, this to me feels very quibby like. I mean this you know this this does not. I I don't have a lot of faith in this working. But out but you me. know that's a really good point you make because. Let's say that that what you're talking about, I would say, started about two years ago, where everyone said, "Oh, and we, you know, we we knew it was going to come. We've been talking about all these platforms. They were going to start creating their own content. They were going to start buying media companies, doing those things. They did that, and now they're going the other direction, saying, "No, no, we really don't want to buy publishing properties. We don't want to create our own programming anymore. We just want to bring in the creators already doing it. It's actually much much less risky." Let's just bring them over from Reels or TikTok and have it on our platform. Is it, don't you see that? Is, don't you see that that's been a? Do you agree that's been a big shift from one to the other? I, I think it is. I think it is. I, I just, you know, I mean, when I look at this and I go, oh, I got it. That, that that they're, you know, they're gonna they're gonna do some outreach, right? You know, they're gonna do, you know, the classic sort of go out and recruit those that have huge followings on Instagram or, or Snapchat or uh, TikTok and try and bring over their, you know, original programming, as it were, uh, to, to the platform. I, the two challenges I have with that is the reason that these platforms get as popular as they are with the creators is not because of the audience. It's because how easy it is to create the content. In other words, people started creating on TikTok, not because TikTok had an amazing audience that they wanted to do. It was because t- creating TikTok videos was so damn easy. Well, it's, you know, it's, it's and, but it's both. 
it is ultimately for for the you know for the creator they you know they they need a big audience they want a big audience but the reason these things get hot is so in other words if you bring it, it, i i here's my here's my hypothesis and i absolutely could be wrong here my hypothesis is is that these content creators that are popular on TikTok they're popular on the on the on these platforms they're popular in part not in whole but in part because of the limitations, capabilities, and framework by which you actually create content on that platform. If you take them to another platform where that process and that framework is different, I don't know that it translates as well. That's my point. Well, in other words, there's a reason, you know, and, 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 and quite frankly, when I look at YouTube, right now and maybe they're going to launch some platform to sort of compete with this as well to sort of have that shorter video kind of TikTok like experience but when i go to TikTok it it's the the interface and we've talked about this before the interface and the algorithm they have is fantastic it keeps you engaged for sure and the content is the content and on YouTube i just I can't even imagine having the same kind of user experience or audience experience on YouTube as I would on TikTok. It's just different. And so I don't find myself on YouTube looking at silly 30-second, you know, prank videos or, you know, dog videos or those kinds of things like I do on TikTok. I just, I think those two things are really, you know, it's, to me, it's the equivalent of the challenge that somebody like Casey Neistat had where on YouTube, he worked brilliantly and because that, that's the way that platform is set up. You bring him over to CNN and it doesn't work as no. well. It just doesn't. It just doesn't, it doesn't work that, the same way. And I think that's the, to, to me, I think that's going to be the challenger that I have in this. I, I agree. Just, yes, I agree yeah. with you that in a lot of cases, it does not translate. I also would say that if somebody picks a YouTube or a Snap or a TikTok, they learn how to create content on that platform and they figure it out, right? You become a master right. of that channel. That's right. You yeah, so if you're a master at creating content on TikTok and then you say, okay, now I need to go over and do it on YouTube, you're right. It is different. It is, it is, a, you have to learn that platform. That is why we've always talked about, and that's what we talk about in the Content Inc. book is just focus on one platform. Be great. Build your audience on that platform. Then, of course, over time, bring that over to some controlled media like email, and now you got yourself some kind of a content empire that you're building. I, what, what, here's what I don't get. And I think that we have actually the other, what's the other article we have? Oh, can I just bring up the Axios article? Cause this is exactly, yeah, the, here's sure. the, yeah, so yeah. this, this Axios article that you you brought up here basically says social media companies are all starting to look the same. This is a truth. Like, I don't know what to do with this. And you, you're talking about a real problem. If you go to TikTok, you have certain expectations. If you go to YouTube, you have certain expectations. All these companies, Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, Twitter, LinkedIn, they're all trying to do the same things in the same way. Everything's exactly. I, what? Like, is that a good strategy? What is the user well, experience a, going to be? That's right. It's a diverse strategy for yeah. sure. You know, what's not indicated in the graph um, you know, for all you product marketers out there, what's not, in, you know, indicated in the graph is a color coding that says where each one of them is strong. They all have, you know, they all have the checkbox in yes. the box 
you know, for direct messaging, live video, photo filters, stories, public follower accounts, AR uh, lenses, TikTok-like video feed, um, and, and and so, but they just have check boxes, right? Where they have that or don't have that, and the you know the kind of the point of the graph is that there's a checkbox pretty much for everything. In, but in, you're right; it doesn't mean that uh, Instagram messages are going to be as popular as Snapchat, which a lot of That's people right. just use Snapchat for messaging. Because yeah. That's right. That's exactly right. So it's 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 there's there. I think your point is a good one, which is you've got a lot of these platforms that are trying to uh, lure away using the other's most popular features, the things that they believe the audiences really want. In other words, Facebook is trying to bolster its, uh, you know, its, its offering by offering up social audio. Twitter is trying to bolster up its product offering by adding in Twitter spaces. I don't know what the hell. Skype's yeah, I don't know what's guy. I don't know what. Yeah. But you know what's interesting? What but, so this whole yeah. list, and we went through some of them: Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, Twitter, LinkedIn, Skype. What? Come on, what are you doing there? Yeah. TikTok, WhatsApp, YouTube, Pinterest, Reddit, Twitch. I looked at this whole yeah. list. You know what my kids would say are the, their two favorite ones? The ones on the bottom that have only two check yeah, marks: Reddit and Twitch. Reddit and right. Twitch, and they're and neither of them are social media platforms in my my view. What? Twitch, Reddit. You read it, maybe. Not Twitch? really. How not? How not? How what? How not? What say you? What? <laughs> no. <laughs> Twitch is absolutely. I, did I just melt you your have, brain or you something? You have yeah. a generally you have somebody streaming, and then you have a robust conversation going on between people that are watching, listening, engaging. Yeah, as it goes. I, yeah, I agreed. I, I you know. It gets to <laughs> Reddit, especially Twitch, maybe less so. But Reddit, for me, it, it Reddit's a media operation. It's a publishing operation. the The line between content reader and content participator, their upload is is so so overweighted, right? You know the 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 number of people who actually comment on Reddit. Yeah, it's actually, like less than one percent. You know. Let much, yeah. yeah, right. So think about that in comparison to Twitter or Facebook, right? Where everybody is, it's almost the other I way around. I don't know. You have a lot of gazers and viewers. and On Twitter? Yes. Absolutely you do. But they also create content. I would say, I don't know what the numbers are, but I would guess with Twitter, it's at least 60, 40. Twitter is probably the one that there's the most. Yeah. yeah. And well, no, I would say Facebook is actually the one who's. Uh, I, don't I don't know. know. I know. Who just I, I would reads say most Facebook. of the people that I know on Facebook don't post anything. Post they very post little, very, but they do post very, very little. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Anyways, anyways a, hey, a, just quickly yeah. about Facebook. My kids say that that is that is the boomer app of all time. Of course. Which, Absolutely. by the way, it yeah. is. So. <laughs> Yeah. Well, we talked about on the show how, you know, they're not replacing that audience. They're not replacing that audience with young kids. And that's a problem, which is part of the reason that they're trying to offer up all these checkboxes into the features is to sort of say, eh, what are the kids dancing to now? Let's try and offer that. Let's try and offer that yeah. and try and capture some of that lightning in a bottle again. And, you know, it won't be too long before Facebook is AOL, you know, and, and, oh, you know, it, it you, that you hit, you know, that's a low blow, sir. <laughs> 
You know, it's interesting, though, as I know we've got to go into our final portion of the episode. But when you look at this list and you said, OK, Google, amazing purchase, one of the greatest purchases of all time in YouTube, right? In, in tech history. Yeah. And then you look at For sure. Instagram, Facebook, Instagram, one of the greatest of all time. Amazing. They got it for overpaid at a billion dollars at the time you thought and what a steal it yeah. was. And then you go down and you look at Twitch. And I and I think of all of them, that will go down as the greatest purchase of all time in tech. You might be right. Amazon you might buying be right. Twitch. And, there's, and most people don't even know that Amazon owns Twitch. That's right. That's right. Twitch is very underappreciated it, for the value that. But it if creates. you want to know, and that's why you're right, it is a little bit different from a social media standpoint. Is when yeah. you when you want to say, okay, what are the most watched things in the world, and where are those watched at? Twitch is number one channel. When you look, the, Twitch is rivaling the NBA right now. T- I thought they were beating the, them. Yeah, they may be. I mean, Twitch. At this point. You, when you say yeah. what's the most watched thing in the world, you always used to say the Super Bowl. Can't say that anymore. It's like right. five games, nope. five gamer competitions yeah. on Twitch. That's right. So, yeah. whatever. Boom, we're boomers. Amazing. What do we know? Yeah, we don't. Know that. <laughs> that brings us to the most popular and empirically proven, most favorite part of the show. Which is, of course, our rants and raves where Joe and I go off on a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave over something that makes us feel like uh, Elon Musk or makes us feel like uh, Tesla, I guess. Um, and so <laughs> what? here we are. I don't know. I'm, not, I'm just making this yeah, up as I go. We all are. Uh, That's what we do. Uh, do you want to go first or shall I go first? I'll go first. first. I don't care. Yeah. But, okay. but it's, hey, right. it's, it's your right. world. I'm just living in it. Hey. Okay. So I might. Okay. Mine is... A commentary. First of all, this is from Jane Friedman. And if you don't know who Jane Friedman is, she's a fantastic writer. She's She has a great book called The Business of Being a Writer. If you are a writer, you should be paying attention to Jane Friedman. She wrote an article here that just resonated with me. It's called The New Holy Grail of Traditional Publishers, Direct-to-Reader Relationships. And I read through this, Robert. And you probably remember this, but I'm taking you back five, six years. I went into a very large, well-known publisher that were, they were trying to figure out how they could have direct-to-reader relationships. Because it's very difficult, right? If you look at the publishing landscape, the publishing landscape right now is owned by Barnes & Noble and then mostly Amazon. So if you are a publisher, that is your distribution arm to get these books out. And Barnes & Noble, and specifically Amazon, have those reader relationships, at least from a, you know from the... Uh, financial standpoint and the data standpoint. And so the article goes on and talks about what publishers are doing to build these small niche communities. And in some cases, they're doing it very, very well, whether it's food books or whether it's history books or whatever the case is, they're trying to build these content niches and build audience. And then when they launch books, they will go ahead and and have some success with that. And I always thought, and when, when I went to this old publisher back in the day, it was funny. We got in the conversation that they always led product first and it's different because their product is content, but they really were just leading with, Hey, new book. Hey, new book. Hey, new book. Instead right, of ever right. building a, a long-term relationship with that audience. And that's what we talked about. We're like, what are you doing? First of all, you, what is the strategy here long-term? You're just like, oh, hopefully you have another really good book that the author will market for you. And you go through the whole campaign process. And after three to four months, you move on to the next book. 
There's nothing there. So I do like the article because it goes into a lot of new these new case studies. One is uh, goodfood.com, which is a good one to look at on the food side. But I just think what publishers are going through right now in this whole article is everything that we need to be talking about as marketers. The same thing. We always lead product yep. first, product first, product first. And oh, by the way, we don't have a long-term relationship with these people from an informational content standpoint, from a content experience standpoint, they're not there. So I just love this article that brought this out. It also, a lot of this is from this uh, book that I just requested. I haven't read it yet called Book Wars, The Digital Revolution in Publishing by John Thompson. Uh, Not the John Thompson that used to coach Georgetown University, probably a different John Thompson. But nonetheless, I would say take a read at this because I think all marketers can get something out of it. And this is the struggle we all have. And I would just ask people that are in the same position in certain industries is how much of the reader relationship, the customer relationship, are we outsourcing to other people? And what do we need to do to take that back? So there you go. That's good stuff. And I will say this, it's actually worse than that in product companies. Um, You know, one of the things that we've noticed in all the work that we do is, and, and, we talk about this all the time when we talk to content marketing teams or marketing teams is how marketing teams lead with container first and and then story. Yeah, what's yeah, the you pipes know, first, the, yeah, and then what goes in the yeah, pipes. Yeah, in other words, it's yeah. like I you know when, when you start thinking about content, it's like, "Oh, we need 14 ebooks, three white papers, an ad, and an email, right? Or we need four webinars. We think and then we go, "Great, now that we have our inventory of stuff we're going to publish, now, how do we fill all that stuff full of content? And and the great content marketing teams, the great content marketing processes are the reverse of that, where they're architecting out the stories they want to tell and then figuring out what the right, you know, and, and it's almost like that the, the publishing model that you said, you know, it's almost as if the publishing company would have said, hey, what's a great story? And let's figure out whether it should be a TV show or a movie or a, or a novel or, you know, a how-to video or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Right? No, you're, you're, yeah. you're dead right on that one. And you have a couple wow. – do you have a couple rants or what are you doing? I do – no, it's, it's more commentary than anything else. I, you know, just to point people to a couple of things. The first will be an article that I'll point everybody to in the Wall Street Journal, which is – the headline is CMO's time in their post continues to grow shorter. Um, if, yawn. Here's another headline about CMO's time in their post being short um, and shorter than their counterparts, the CEO or the CFO or the CIO. Um and, uh, you know, it, it, it basically says, you know, it, the same thing that you've all these articles always say is, is that the average tenure of a chief marketing officer at most of the big, you know, the, they sort of limit it to the top 100 U.S. ad spenders went down from four. It went down from 41 months to 40 months. And so, yay, that deserves a Wall Street Journal mm-hmm. article. Um, you know, the I, the the the. The frustration you hear in my voice is 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 not that that much about the fact that they're covering this. It's more what I want to know is so. <laughs> it's been this way forever. What what is the point, right? Is is the point that they sh- it should be longer? In other words, that businesses should be taking a longer term view uh, of when they hire CMOS and and should give it more patience. Or is it that there's some detriment to CMOs? By the way, uh, no CMO that I know is bitching about this, right? The, the, no, but no, but none of the CMOs I've ever talked to are like, "Gosh, I wish I, you know, I had more job security." 
um, they're all they go into these adventures knowing that their time is probably going to be measured in the course of three to four years, and they you know and they have changes to make. They can turn the ship. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they don't. And in the meantime, they put in you know. I, I guess what I would love to see, and I haven't seen this, and if this exists, by the way, I, I would love to actually see it. it. And maybe it does somewhere. Some data that says CMOs that last between five and 10 years, those companies outperform exactly. those yes, companies that's the data. where that the CMOs that, that, that are in there for a yeah. short time. This may just be the way it is, um, you know, because it's always been. In the 40 to 48 months, oh, it's, it's up to 50 months. Oh, it's down to 36 months. Oh, it's up to 41 months. It's always the same thing. And so I'm, I'm always a little skeptical when I see this because the call to action always seems to be, you know, hey, we, you know, companies really need to think about this. And I'm, I'm not sure that they you, do. You know what would be interesting? So. I want to know what that number is compared to any marketer, any marketing position. Right. It's probably the, right. it's probably the same. There's a lot yeah, of movement right. in marketing. There always has a been. A lot of movement in marketing. There always yes. has been. That's exactly right. Okay. All right. So one quick other uh, rave uh, in this case. Um, this uh, The link, what we'll link to is in Forbes. Uh, have you seen this? How Signal, uh, the company Signal, basically exposed Facebook's disregard for privacy. No, I did not see this. For privacy. It's a fascinating thing. Uh, and quite the drama, by the way, on Twitter, if you want to follow along. Um, there's some links to in the article that goes to that. Basically, Signal, what they did was they started creating ads using the personalization engine and the data that Facebook has on you to basically the copy of the ads is exposing the data that they got, right? So in other words, one of the ads might read, you got this ad because you're a K-pop loving chemical engineer. This ad is used to seeing that your location is in Berlin and that you have a new baby and just moved and that you're feeling those feelings because you're doing pregnancy exercises lately. And so it's like you, it, the, the, the whole creepy factor is sort of exposed in the ad. And then the controversy or controversy, as they might say across the pond, is that uh, Facebook basically killed their ability to create these ads. They, they killed too much content, to create, too much, create, too many words. Too, yeah. Well, and, 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 you know, <laughs> you know, if, for those of you who may be a little more conspiracy minded, they don't want that stuff, you know, yeah, they, they, they don't, like you're that. right. The, first of all, this is amazing. Like you, you need to look at the, the, the graph that they have or the chart that they have is fantastic to see all the different mm -hmm. ones. But in doing some Facebook ads in the past, you usually can't get that approved because there's, they don't like that much, uh, that, that many words on a page. So they usually kill that right from the start, but that's be besides the point. Yeah. That's right. That's right. It's 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 a fascinating thing. And anyway, I was fascinated with it and thought it would be a, a that is a good, a good one. That's so interesting. Yeah, yeah, we're just totally gave up our yeah. privacy to Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah. Nah. 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 Uh, well, well, what's going on for you this week? I mean, you're busy. You're like Mr. Book Tour, um, Mr. Clubhouse, Mr. Yeah, interview. right in the middle of everything. Yeah, I had like seven interviews yesterday. We were talking about it before. We've got more Clubhouse stuff next week, more podcasts. I mean, the book comes out on tw the 25th. I got to upload the audiobook. I mean, all that. It's all good. I'm not complaining about it. It's just a lot. And you know I don't like to work. And this feels yep, a little I bit like work. You don't like but to work. You know, yeah. it's just a couple yeah. more weeks. You got to do this stuff. And we we have, I think they're gone right now. We had 130 
boxes going out to influencers and contributors and our case studies in the book. You'll get one of Ooh, you will cookies. get one of oh, course. You'll get the cookies, cookies and the book and the yes. a night maybe a nice note from me. I don't know. Maybe. Aww. Uh yeah. Might drop an F bomb. <laughs> yeah. What do you got going on? <laughs> uh we are in the thick of it. Um we are Busy, 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 getting ready for content tech, um, getting ready for a workshop there and keynote and working with speakers and all that kind of stuff. At the same time, working on the new episode of my show, as well as doing a bunch of uh, client work this week. So, you know, not seeing too much sunshine at the moment, but I'm going to try and fix that there this There you weekend. go. Got it. Got to make time for you. Gotta Little Robert time. time. For me, man. It's got to happen. Right. That's yeah. right. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are signing off. That is it. If you want to get all the goodness of this podcast, show notes, dive into any of the other 270 episodes, pretty amazing there, why don't you just head on over to our website? It's thisoldmarketing.site. We definitely want to thank the good folks over at Radix for helping power our thisoldmarketing.site, and you can get your own .site domain with Radix. Um, And until we meet again, well, remember, it's your story to tell. Tell it well. See you next week on This Old Market.